Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter at Clinton Bon, and I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon, we have a thing or two, or maybe even three or four or five to talk about today, Brandon. You know there's a big grab bag out there. I'll put I'll put it to you first, but you know me for several years now. I came knocking on your guys' door as a, as a rabid Seahawks fan. There's been some news to drop. Where do you think I want to kick things off today? Because at the end of the day, this is about me. Where, where should we kick things off? Clinton, I have done this podcast with you long enough that I know immediately where you want to go. The Seahawks are reloading on the defensive line, and it's not it's not about Carlos Dunlap coming back because that's a really cool move, but. This is three in, three out. You get into the nooks and the crannies, and I know a guy that was just consistently hitting the in column for you week after week during the season just two years ago, and that is old thigh arms Al Woods. Oh, you nailed it straight straight away. Like how how well you know me now, Brandon. The Al Woods signing again. This is three in, three out. We like we like to delve a little bit deeper. Of course, we'll talk. We'll talk Dunlap later. Late, that's later. That's that's B side stuff. Just kidding, Carlos. I know you're listening. But Al Woods, old firearms himself, coming back, and you know it's a yeah, it's a beautifully simple move, right? You get the beefy boy. You get that that big big dude right in the middle of your your defensive line. And of course, it wasn't just about Al Woods coming. There was also a guy, on, you know, a going, and that was that's a pretty big piece of this too. And this was one of the things I talked with John Fraley about Thursday night, and it, it went out on the podcast feed for field goals here. It was the release of Jaron Reed. And it, uh, at the and when we spoke, we didn't yet know because Jaron Reed had tweeted essentially that he was going to be gone officially come Friday. Yep. And so there was kind of that hope that, OK, maybe they would be able to find a trade partner for him rather than outright release him. Ultimately, no trade. Jaron Reed leaves. They have the cap space then to free up to make some of these signings official. The Chris Carson signing official, uh, Benson Mayo. A lot of that stuff hasn't happened yet. And so that move, you had to know that a move like that was coming or a restructured salary. There's not a whole lot of guys that you can do that with. Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Jason Myers. That's it. So unless you're signing guys to extensions and, and creating cap space that way, then it, you were going to have to cut a guy. And Jaron Reed was one of those guys that we talked about a few weeks ago that could possibly be a cap casualty. Yeah, we did. We did the three in three outs and we went through the exercise and we're like, you know, this is a, Hey, if we have to, if, if someone's got to go, it, it may, it made more sense and it doesn't make it any less stinky. You know, it's like, okay, I think we ate $5 million, I believe to, to, in dead cap. It was a five million dud cap. Yep. To save nine. All right. So we save nine, bleed five, sign, you know, sign old firearms for three, at least at the re the reports say three million on the first Twitter part. I wonder if that actually comes down. You know, the the agents like to put up the bigger number and then maybe it bleeds back a little bit. We'll see. But right now it's looking like a delta of about a six million dollar gain. And you get the beefy boy out woods, but but you know, I think when when Shaq Griffin left. You know, there was there was a little bit of like, you know, uh, sayonara, like, you know, yes, he got a lot of money. And yes, we were not about to go pay him that money. But Shaq Griffin was at least a at least a B, you know, at least a, a plus playing cornerback for us, sometimes B plus. I feel similarly about about Reed. 
I think he was, you know, a darn good run stopper. And when you gave him somebody next to him, he was actually really good at creating pressure too. So, I mean, I love getting Al Woods back, but I'm just not so, you know, so happy about like, all right, you know, hey, hey, Woods is a complete, uh, you know, replication of Reed. He's not. I, I think we have to be honest that he's not. It's nice to have the money. I would have liked to see some more extensions, like you said. And if we kept Reed, but hey, that's, but I am happy the old firearms is back. Love having Woods back there. But, you know, for you, Brandon, $6 million Delta and we get, we get Al Woods in. How's that feel for you? Does it feel a bit good, bad, ugly? What's, what's your sentiment? I, I don't feel like it's really a, a comparison because Al Woods is not quite the same type of player that Reed is. And it, it makes me wonder what exactly the Seahawks see in terms of the middle of the defense, because I do like the options, the, the big guys, Puna Ford, Al Woods, Brian Monet. You got the, the big guys plugging up the middle to stop the run on first and second down. And I, I just wonder if they see. Puna growing more into that Jaron Reed role because that that's the guy that I I feel like they want to see elevated now with Reed gone and you know whether or not that that works out with the way they move him on the defensive line I don't know but it's it's where it has me leaning at least yeah and of course you always want to get pressure up up the middle because like hey look at look at the last twenty years of football when was Tom Brady actually beaten right when teams could get pressure with four. And and pressure from the interior, you know. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know what happens here because I don't see that kind of. I don't see what what Reed brought with Puna. Puna's a hell of a player. Can he get the the pass rush as part of his game? Um, we'll see. I guess we'll see. However, what I what I I'll rotate over to. It's certainly not going to hurt that all of a sudden our edge our edge starters are freaking Kerry Hyder and, and then Carlos Dunlap is back. Dude, that is a one-two wowzer. We talked about Kerry Hyder a couple of weeks ago as, hey, this is a dude that is a little bit under the radar. And then they go out and the contract that they get Hyder in on, it's a wonderful, that's a beautiful, beautiful gamble. So just about you know, 10 days ago, eight days ago, six days ago, and then fast forward and it's Hyder and Dunlap on the edges, man. I mean, I, I, I'm over the moon about, about what, what this defensive line's looking like, even with Reed gone. This just feels like a line that's going to be, you know, I, you know, I like to go to analogies of other sports. In hockey, you get like that fourth line, and they're a bunch of muckers, and they just grind the good, the good teams. Yeah. They just grind. They, they bug you. They, they never stop flying because they have like short lines. They're out there for a short period. So they just go, 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 go. And they're the dudes who will fight and they're the dudes who will hit. And if you have a really good fourth line in hockey, they are annoying as you know what. I feel like this defensive line consortium, they're like a, an elite fourth line in hockey because they're just, the motors on this team, they are not going to stop just like bugging people from you know, the, the first whistle to the last gun. Well, when you talk about motors, too, that was the one thing that really stood out to me going back and, and watching some of the Hyder tape, because when you brought him up, Clinton, I, I just thought, OK, you're throwing in an NFC West guy. And yes, you want to take away some good players from a, an opponent and bring them onto your team. And Hyder did have eight plus sacks this year. And but I also look at that and I see some of the guys that, that are getting sacks down in Arizona and you, and you wonder if it's just kind of a system thing or if it's actually a talent thing with a particular player. And with Kerry Hyder, the one thing that jumped out to me is how much speed the guy has to go around the outside for a yes. big guy. And uh, that was nice to see. It wasn't just 
him you know coming unblocked off the edge on a lot of these sacks now he was you know swapping at the, swiping at a guy's hands and and getting around the edge and uh, tracking down the quarterback from behind so it was uh, it, that was one of the things that just jumped out at me watching him yeah beating beating you know left tackles and right tackles like one to one winning through some stunts and really just like getting after the quarterback uh, you know, like it's his job, but like coming around the edge and then chasing the dude down horizontally, you know, didn't catch the guy all times. There's a great highlight from, from Russ last year where, where Russ gives a uh, hider, like an okie doke on, on the touchdown. I think it's to lock it. 27 other quarterbacks, 28 other quarterbacks, sans a couple that are not named Russell Wilson. And that's another sack for hider. That dude is a monster. And then contractually, you know, I mean, all hail John Schneider with Dunlap. What, what can we say? I wasn't in the, hey, keep, keep Dunlap for 14 million. I was absolutely in the camp of extend him, do cap magic, et cetera, et cetera. But this is way better. This is amazing. <laughs> it, it's better because it's, it's, you know, it's one year, eight and a half million. You don't know really the, uh, what the details are for the other years or it's one other year. Uh, reportedly so we're still waiting on on some of those final numbers but yes at least one year eight and a half million and that's better than one year 14 million right yeah so So, you're almost getting two for one if you go by the reported contract numbers absolutely a good deal i i just it made me nervous with him just being out there for these last you know 10 days or so yeah yeah and uh but played well you know they they played it uh they played it wonderfully and it's just a tip of the cap to schneider and again one thing we talked about maybe a couple episodes ago when we started going live on the locker room app is the idea of was there a degradation of the seahawks culture because they're tucked away in the pacific northwest it is not the mass market you know it's not the huge markets of chicago or la or new york and was there starting to be like these chips or or, or kinks in the armor of the of the seahawks culture which was such a gravitational pull to get people there you know cuz pete's the player coach and they got this great vibe and then they have the rust stuff happening and honestly in a couple of weeks time it has literally been washed away and it's like nope the culture is still super intact and these dudes want to be here. That to me is one of the biggest, you know, wins of the entire offseason, besides the fact that we are winning the darn offseason. Well, and I know we want to get some people involved here shortly too. They're here with us in the locker room app. But I know there's just one more topic that we have to hit on that I know you're excited about, Clinton. And I think yes. it even kind of speaks to this idea of what you're just talking about with culture. Because Russell Wilson reportedly was the guy lobbying for Chris Carson to return to the Seahawks and they get him back and it's on a, a team friendly deal. I I had I, as soon as that news came down, Clinton, I thought of you because I know just what a, a Chris Carson fan you are. And other than I don't know, maybe KJ Wright coming back. This was one of the moves that we've been talking about here for these last few weeks. Yeah, all I could say is thank you. Thank you for setting that up. And thank you for Carson for taking, taking a, I think, a really, really, fr- really franchise friendly uh, contract there when it all shakes, especially this year one cap hit. That's, that is, was it two and a half million year one cap hit? Something that's it. And then six and a half good. next year. And then they do the void year thing. Yeah. Okay. Then we, do, then we do the thing that that's fine. And one of the things that, you know, one of the things that the people are like, well, you know, when, when the number, when the numbers first came out, I don't know, Carson's got durability issues, durability issues. So one thing I wanted to kind of call out, I'll do a quick, a quick rundown. 
for running backs that are not named Derrick Henry, because that dude is an absolute freak, okay? So let's just go through a couple here. MG3, two-time pro bowler, you know, uh, been around for quite a while now. Missed four games in 2018, four games in 2019. Le'Veon Bell, two-time All-Pro, missed six in 2015, took 2018 off. Just, huh, I'm not going to play. <laughs> Just took, took a year off. Joe Mixon, the $12 million a year guy with his 4.1 yard per carry. He missed 10 games last year. Uh, let's see, Dalvin Cook. The dude's always, I love Dalvin Cook. He's nasty, but missed five games in 2018, two games in 2019, two games in 2020. He never has put together a full season. Even dudes like Zeke, who seemed like super dependable, he missed five games a couple of years ago. Then he got McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Like the list goes on and on and on. All right, Kamara's been pretty darn healthy. Henry is an absolute freak, but don't come at me with the Carson is this, you know, undependable because because he's not available type guy. Yeah, he's been dinged. I get it. I want him healthy too. But when you get the rock in the NFL, you get hurt. This is what happens to, to you know, good running backs. So I just want to put that back in people's faces because I think it's a bit of nonsense. He's actually pretty darn durable. His last three years, he averaged 13 and a half games per year. Welcome back, Chris Carson. The only thing that I would say is if you if you look at the guys who have been the top 10 backs in, I, I think, since Carson was drafted and you sort them in, in terms of the yards that they've produced in that amount of time, I think Carson has missed more games than, than most of those guys in the top 10. So there is something to that, not just in terms of the amount of games missed, but I think you also have to take into account that there are times where he's limited in terms of his his production on the field, where they're just kind of seeming to limit his snaps and then playoff availability where you get to the playoffs and, and he's just not quite right. And you can't really lean on him like you would hope that you. And, and I think part of this is because, you know, we saw this with Marshawn Lynch and, and when you got to the playoffs and you could lean on Marshawn in the playoffs and, you know, he was so good and. I, yeah. that, I, it's kind of an unfair standard, I think, maybe to hold Chris Carson to, but it's it's the one guy that we have that's uh, I, that brought so much success to Seattle. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just quickly wrap that up that part by saying that's fair, you know, and and that's that's the missing piece of the Chris Carson career so far. And let's look at this really great contract. The dude's twenty seven years old. So by the time he gets to that avoidable year, he's 29 years old. So at that point, we'll, we will have had a seventh rounder through his first six years of an NFL career. Okay, I'm in. I'm in for those next two years. So, And with that, I'll say, Brandon, absolutely, let's get him revved up in the playoffs. We, we walked out of this playoff game, and I was like, where's Carson? Like, why, why did we not feed that dude way, way more and treat him like, you know, treat him like Henry right. for, for a couple of games because he was healthy. I hope we see it this time, but I, I am fired up that we got him back because going in, that was my most nervous spot. You know how I feel about Penny. And I don't, I don't think the other guys back there are quite, uh, quite ballers. So very, very fired up that we got, we got our horse back. I am kind of curious to hear from our folks who are with us in the chat of, of where they feel like, you know, where are they nervous about now that we've seen these issues addressed, defensive line being addressed, or are there moves yet to be made that you want the Seahawks to make? We want to hear from you. We will talk about all that and more coming up next.
We are broadcasting live via the Locker Room app. If you want to join us in an upcoming episode, you can go to lockerroom.app. You can follow me at Seahawkra, Seahawkra, and you can get notified when we go live. And we're bringing in a guest with us, along with taking your questions. John P. Gilbert of Field Goals joining us here today. So if you've got any salary cap questions you want to throw to him, questions you want to ask us, now is the time to raise your hand and get into the chat. Aaron has done that, and he is coming in first. Welcome to the show, Aaron. So, yeah, I'm super excited about our signings these last couple of days. I'm, my biggest question, I guess, uh, for salary cap is, how much salary cap room do we have now after all these signings and then the read um, cutting, which I'm a little sad, but glad we have some other some other guys we were able to get instead. Are you tracking this, John? I am. I am. I mean, the, here's the thing is because they haven't not everything is official. We're not you know, they, they're slowly. We hear the announcement days before the the official things are put in. The paperwork is filed with the league. Basically, it's safe to assume at this point that we're right at zero or very close to it, right? Bumping up against it. Um, I mean, there is, there are, there's no need to panic. That said, you know, there are plenty of ways for the team to make cap space available, whether that's extensions to Lockett, extensions to Adam, uh, you know, converting base salary to bonus for Russell Wilson, for Bobby Wagner. There, it's not an urgent situation. They've got the cap space to do what they need. Uh, but as far as how much cap space do we have, could we go out and go on a spending spree? It's basically safe to assume that it's not a whole lot. I mean, we're maybe a million, maybe two. All right, that that's a little little lighter than I, I'd want it. But hey, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. We we've been very busy. We've been and Brandon, I must say, I'm pretty excited that three and three out has a salary cap guru. <laughs> I kind of feel like we've arrived. You know, we've got John. So look, I mean, look at us, right? Do you have a follow up to that, Aaron? Yeah, so I guess, um, so John, is that going to be, so some of those moves are going to be necessary before the draft, because otherwise we have no cap room even with three picks to to draft anybody. Is is that right? It's not necessarily correct, and I don't mean to, not to, not to, you know, try and get too technical here, but the, um, the first thing to understand is that because we are in the off season, only the top 51 salary cap hits count against the cap. So since Seattle's already passed that, I they're at 56 or 58, whatever the official number is. Every time they sign a new player, the guy who's number 51 gets bumped down. So it's a, there's a $660,000 charge on the cap right now for the guy who's in the 51st spot. So if they go out and they sign someone to a minimum salary contract or whatever for a million dollars, the only thing you have to really take into account for the cap is that $340,000 difference between the 660 minimum, the, the guy in 51st spot that's getting bumped off, and the guy that they're signing. So that said, while draft picks do take up spots on the roster, they don't need that cap space. They don't have to have the cap space available to sign those picks until they actually put pen to paper and sign those guys to their actual contracts. Now, one of the obviously it's not ideal to have three draft picks coming into a draft. But part of the thing is that because they don't have that many draft picks, the only thing they have to account for is how much those draft picks will cost above that $660,000 threshold. 
So th their second round pick will cost some money. Their fifth round pick will cost a little bit, but their or fourth, we, I forget which one we have now. I'm sorry, um, but it's they they need less than half a million dollars to sign their draft picks. So it's not anything that anybody needs to worry about. It's something that will, I believe, there will be some kind of extension, whether it's Adams, whether it's Lockett, whether it's whoever it is. My guess is somebody gets extended, frees up some cap space, that signs the draft picks, that takes care of paying the practice squad, that takes care of the injured reserve uh, allocation that they need come season time. And it's it's nothing that they need to to urgently get taken care of. If they do have the opportunity to take, make advantageous signings in the coming weeks, they can convert base salary to signing bonus and free up cap space without having to even ask Russell Wilson. So it's not, it's not something that should prevent the team from making any moves in the coming weeks. It's, it's not ideal, obviously. You'd love to have a whole bunch of cap space available to just sign whatever, do whatever. But it's, it's not going to be the end of the season. They won't fail this year to, to bring guys on board because of the cap. And I think to add to what you're saying, John, one of the things that was helpful to me was just to know that at, at all times, the teams have to be in compliance with the salary cap. And I think one of the things that's confusing to, with that is that you look at overthecap.com, you, you look at uh, spot track and you see teams that are in the red. But a lot of these moves aren't official yet. So that's why when I was starting to, when I was starting to see you know, the Mayo signing, seeing the, the Carson signing, and, and you start to you know that those contracts that once they make it official, that they're going to have to make some other moves. So you could look at that and say, OK, well, there's either a restructure coming or, you know, they're going to have to cut a darn good player. And in this case, it was Jaron Reed. So. It, it almost feels like you can start to get a sense of when those types of moves are coming if you're really tracking it closely. No, absolutely. And that's kind of, I mean, even, you know, you, you've seen it. We've, I, I've no, made note of it in the past. I mean, you, Greg Bell had an article last night. Something's coming. You know, we've got all these guys signed. The Seahawks are, you know, if you look at these, you know, official, unofficial sites, they're over the cap. They, and, But they, just like you said, they do have to be in compliance from the time the league year starts on May, March 17th until the time the league year ends next March 16th, they have to be in compliance. Now, how they have to be in compliance and how many people they have to fit under that cap, that does fluctuate just a little bit when they get to roster cuts and, and they have to go from the 51 guys who are on counting against the cap to 53 guys, and they've got to include the practice squad at that point. But that's, you know, it, 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 those are the minor changes you have to fit under the cap all the time. And, you know, if they did sign somebody and they were if they were over the cap and they sent a contract into the league, the league would simply send the contract back and say, you can't add this guy. You're already over the cap. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, they do have to be in compliance all the time. Well, we have Phil coming into the chat here and Phil has a game for us, which I'm excited about. This is this is the first time that somebody via locker room has, has been bringing a game to the show. Nice. Hello, guys. Hello, guys. Brandon. Phil, welcome. Clinton, John. Clinton, John, big fan of all your work. Oh, thank you, uh, Phil. I'm, I'm I'm big, we're, we're big fans of you. Yes, yeah, I've done a lot of work. Actually, I've not. And I'm not <laughs> saying that I necessarily think any of these things are going to happen, but these things blow out there in the winds, try to make it as painful, excruciating as possible. I've got a game called 
more likely, and I don't know who should jump in and answer if Brandon wants to toss it to somebody else because he just can't bring himself to answer. That's okay. <laughs> but I, but I'm ready to fire off a few more likelies as we consider what could and hopefully will not or maybe could happen here this year. I like it, Phil. I, I'm, you know, I'm a, a brand new game that I, I don't even know what you're going to ask me. This is, you're, you're my kind of guy. Let's roll. Okay, here we go. Here we go. We're going to start right off the bat. I'm not a big fan of this man to this point. I'm willing to forgive, but at this point, I'm not. So I got a few questions about, uh, uh, in particular, he'll show up here. Antonio Brown, here we go. More likely every time. Antonio Brown signed or Tyler Lockett extended. What's more likely to happen here soon? I am going to say the more likely thing is that Tyler Lockett is extended. And I base that off of Antonio Brown. I Just what the Bucks are doing with essentially bringing everybody back on the Super Bowl team. And, and that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, the Seahawks saying, oh, Russ, you're not going to have any control over roster construction. I just think that Tyler Lockett's such a big impact on this team. And like John was saying earlier, he's one of those guys that, uh, Lockett makes sense as a guy that you could extend multiple years and then also free up some cap space. I'll go, I'll stick with you there too. I'll just go with that one. I, just I'll answer to Phil. I'm I'm in the Lockett train too. I like Lockett, man. Hundred hundred receptions, thousand yards. Let's roll with our guy. I hope so. I hope you guys are right. Okay, now we get to more painful. <laughs> Which more likely, Lockett traded or Jamal traded? Ooh. Why don't you take that one, John? Now I don't like this game. <laughs> we, yeah, uh, I, uh, Clinton and I don't want to play. It's John's turn. <laughs> I don't like either of these, but they keep being out there, so I'm just curious. I would guess, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where you look at it and you say, you know, they do need draft picks, and they do, you know, if they were going to trade somebody that was going to bring in some draft picks, who do they have that would bring something back in return? And I, I just don't think that they would trade Adams – after what they gave up for him and what he showed last year as a member of the defense with Pete Carroll having final say on the roster. And given that he, that Adams is, you know, significant, several years younger than Lockett. I, I love Lockett. He's one of my favorite guys. I think it's very likely he does get extended, but if they had to trade someone and if they did, I would guess it's more likely they do trade Lockett than that Adams. Especially with the depth, I think, at receiver in the draft to where they could think that they could find that future locket pick. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, John. Yeah, if I got to pay this, play this deadly game, I'll go with locket on that one, too. <laughs> okay, Phil. Uh, right. This is getting a little bit too uh, painful, so we're going to give you one more. Oh, I got a pick now. Okay. Well, let's do a more fun one, then, because I had some painful ones. <laughs> Oh, don't you, you dare say well. Russ. You don't you dare put Russ in this. No, nothing to do with Russ. I can't stand that conversation. I don't want anything to do with that. So I wouldn't even bring that up to, to anyone that I didn't like. Okay. <laughs> so let's do a more fun one then. Okay. Who's more likely to be signed? KJ Wright or Richard Sherman? Ooh, I like that one. Who wants to go first? You take it, Clinton. Okay. Um, more geez. This is the wish list, right? This is, this is the come, this is the come home package with golden Tate, right? Make it happen. Turn back the clock. Um, more likely to be signed. Okay. I'm still going to go with KJ, Wright Because of the desire, my reasoning is his desire to finish his, his career, or at least the, the best years of his career continued as a Seahawk. And, and that's, that's where I'll stop right there and use less words. KJ, Wright. John? 
See, I would go with Sherman. And the, the reasoning behind that is simply the fact that they've, they've got cornerbacks, they've got names, but they, they don't have the same investment in high draft picks. They don't have a, uh, you know, a 2020 first round pick waiting to start a cornerback. And mm-hmm. so I could see Sherman coming in on a, you know, on a deal where, you know, he's obviously he's worked with Witherspoon. He's played with Reed before, you know, he comes in, he knows the system, he competes with those guys and, it, you know, it, they see how it plays out versus if they bring KJ back as fantastic as he's been the past two years, there's putting themselves in the exact same situation where they have been with Penny, where they've got, they they're putting someone in front of a first round pick who could potentially be, you know, seeing the field. And I just, I don't think they'll do that. Not with the, the emergence of, uh, of nickelbacks for them where they, you know, where they're playing more nickel and less base and they only need two linebackers more of the time. I just have a hard time. I think it's much more likely that Sherman would sign than that Wright would return. I would say the more time goes on, the more likely that Sherm is to come back than KJ. And and that's just because I think the price tag on Sherman then comes down enough to where the Seahawks could get him. And that feels like more of a position of need. But a huge thanks to Phil with the game. Yes. And uh, maybe we can get Phil back in here to throw some more of those questions in if uh, if we've got some more time. But we've got Corbin in the chat now. Corbin, welcome to the show. So I'm... I want uh, Sherman and KJ Wright to be on the team. Can we not have both? <laughs> see, I love Corbin. <laughs> see, see, see what Phil Do does both. to my soul? Yeah. <laughs> Phil comes in and tries to tear me apart limb by limb. <laughs> Corbin comes in and says, listen, this is America. Why do we got to choose? <laughs> just, just both. Hey, Corbin, you want to host the show with us? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is possible, Corbin. I, I do. I, I don't know how likely it is, but um, I, I do think it's possible. Yeah, I hope so. John, what's what's your take on the salary cap aspect of it? Because I, my, my quick my quick is, hey, uh, Brandon, what you just said, Sherman's, you know, I don't think he's going to get a, a ton of money and he's going to be very valuable. And then KJ, you know, I, as, as much as he wants to say, I'm not going to take a hometown discount. Cool. But then he's got to go look at what Dunlap just did. He's got to go look at the fact that, hey, there's a big squeeze this year. So do you want to go somewhere else and, and venture off at this point in your career or go back to a team that's got a legit shot at another, another chip? So, John, I did ask you the question, like, what's, you know, how much more room would they have to free up, do you think, to, to make Corbin's dream our reality? Uh, they shouldn't have to free up too much. They could get creative with the structure with, uh, you know, especially with Sherman, with him having missed significant time in 2020. That's a pretty easy workaround that they can, you know, that they have taken advantage of in the past. Kind of we touched on it last time where we talked about the Eddie Lacy and the Luke Jokel contracts with both of those guys coming off injuries. That's kind of the again. same idea that they could apply, uh, you know, apply to Richard Sherman and to, to bring him in on a deal that would not be all that expensive and they would not need to free up that much cap space uh, during the offseason. Whether they'll do that or not, we'll see. But it's, you know, and I like your idea. I think it's absolutely a, you know, the team is in a position of bargaining now where they, they've got the position of strength where they can say to guys like KJ and to guys like Sherman, they can say, look, the cap is down. Go out, see what offers you could get. If you want to come in and you want to perform and you want to play in a system where you know you can succeed and excel and put beautiful tape together for a year, please come in, play for us. We'll give you a contract. You can mentor the young guys. And a year from now, you can hit free agency with a cap that's bouncing back. And then you could go get paid like you're looking to go get paid. 
And that's that's a sales pitch that I can absolutely see the front office using. And that's a sales pitch that I can absolutely see guys like Sherman and Wright buying into. Well, Russell just needs to go talk to KJ and get him to have a hometown discount. <laughs> if he did it to Chris, do it to uh, KJ. Well, that reminds me, Corbin, of of something that I know Clinton wanted to touch on. And so I want to open this up to everybody in the chat. The dream ending to free agency. And, you know, what is it that you want to see to to really close this out? So, uh, yeah, and anybody who wants to jump in, I, I brought in Amy to the chat. I brought in Aaron. What is the, the move that you want to see the Seahawks make to close this out? Ooh, I, I wasn't prepared for that question <laughs> at all. If you don't, if you don't mind me putting my two cents in, and then I'll think about okay, that. Sure. Um, all of these teams are corporations that ha- that have to be professional, and but we forget that there are different kinds of corporations. I think the one thing that the Seahawks have have done and done consistently is to treat their players with respect. And I think that the, the like the thing with Dunlap, we were all crying. Oh, they didn't sign Carlos. They didn't. They didn't do this. All of this stuff. Maybe they told him he was going to be able to go to go check out free agency and try to get a better deal. We don't know, like what what that kind of uh, conversation has been. He lets people go out and check the market. That way, that's why we end up with Bruce Irvin who came back. That's why we end up with all of these people who come back consistently is because they're treated respectfully and treated, you know, uh, in, in a way that makes them feel like they were valued. Yeah. Love it, Amy. I think that that may, that may parlay nicely into some people's dream finishes to free agency. So does anybody else want to take the, uh, take the conch and, and, and maybe jump off of what Amy said, are, are there some folks you'd like to see back, back in Seattle or some others out there that'll be a, uh, that would be noobs. Yes. So um, I guess the question I wanted to ask, and like based on your guys' last question was, who do you guys think would be the best target to be our our WR3 that we keep talking that we need? Um, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Freddie Swain filling that role, but is there somebody that you guys see either in the draft or in still available in free agency who could fill that role? I'll give a quick a quick synopsis on my 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 stance there, Aaron. I think you know. Um, I don't know if Freddie Swain's, uh, I mean, he might be a good R- WR3, maybe, but I also really fear that depth if he's the third wide receiver. Um, Brandon will know this. I'm a John Arsua truther, so I still think John Arsua has has a path because I've seen that dude at least do some things. Um, when you start looking down the line of free agents that are left, it's it's Golden Tate, Marquise Goodwin. We talked about Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon. Danny Amendola. There's some dark horses like maybe Demir Bird. I mean, he's I think he's pretty darn good. He had you know 40 something catches last year on a Patriots team that only threw like you know 61 balls because Cam Newton just ran the ball all day. Um, Demir Bird to me is pretty interesting and could be could be a pretty good third. And then as far as the draft goes, there is a lot a lot of wide receiver talent. The problem is the challenge will be we do not have a lot of draft picks, right? And if we're going to spend that that's that fifty fourth or fifty sixth on a center, perhaps, um, well, who knows? Like who knows what kind of talents left there? But I'll pass. I'll pass it on, guys. Any any other potential takes on on a wide receiver? I'd be uh, open for a Golden Tate reunion. That's my guy right there, Corbin. 
<laughs> See, the, the problem is that, is that Russ has almost got me worn down on the idea of bringing Antonio Brown in, and, and I don't like that. Like the worn down, like you just you're, you're okay with it, like you just yeah, everything fine. is okay. If that's what Russ wants, then let him yeah, let him come here. I think that if we do bring back Antonio, it's probably not bring back. Um, if we bring in Antonio, then it's definitely to keep Russ happy. Well, but he's also really good at football, right? Let's 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 not. Yeah. I, I'm gonna just challenge that a little bit. Yes, it would be to keep Russ happy, and it's the same reason they did it in Tampa, right. and the same reason he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And they, you know, Antonio Brown's really still really good at football. Um, with that, I actually I'm not I'm not in the market for a dude that's gonna take the shine away from DK though. Like DK and Lockett is the one-two. It's not what. That's why, that's why I was so in love with the idea of Isaiah McKenzie, which the reports were that eight other teams gave him an offer before he went back to the Bills. Talk about building a Amy. Talk about building a good culture. The Bills have got something special cooking right now. But I don't want. It's not that. I mean, hey, if he signs, Antonio Brown's very good at football. But it's not a dude I want taking the deep targets away from DK. I really want that guy that could work the middle of the field. I want a different type of receiver. And to me, that's not Antonio Brown. How about you, John? A dream free end. I can't even say it. A dream, a dream ending to free agency. <laughs> They've been bringing in so much on the defensive line recently. I mean, I'd absolutely love to just add Geno Atkins just, just because, um, you know, but I do, I think the bigger need is that wide receiver three. Sadly, I, you know, the names that I would have mentioned, I think, you know, obviously I'd love to have Golden Tate back. I don't know how much is left in the tank, but I don't really care. I would just <laughs> love to have him back to tr trash talk the Rams. Um, you know, Danny Amendola is a name that he tormented us, you know, for years as a Ram, but, but you know, there's, there's, the pickings are getting somewhat slim at this yeah. point. So. Well, there is a, a dream scenario for me, and it doesn't have to do. It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with any free agent who would come in. It would be Russ committing to a two or three year extension, adding on to his contract, and then you can spread out some of that cap. You can make room for you know another center to bring in to compete. You can make room for that third wide receiver. If if I get to dream, I'm dreaming big, and it's for a recommitment from Russell Wilson for a long term contract with the Seahawks. Oh, Brandon, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. You you take the cake. We we said a lot of words on this podcast, but you said some things that make sense just there, right? <laughs> so that that is it, right? I mean, like, and, and it buries every stupid narrative. It's just then it's over. Then it's over for at least a couple of years. We don't gotta we don't gotta hear about it next time. We gotta think about it, and it's just Russ is our guy, which. You know, I, I am so anti trading blue chip players for for lottery scratch off tickets. I just I'm just it's not what I want to do. Well, let's, I'll, let's I'll, address that yeah, because I, on when I posted the the preview for the show up at fieldgoals.com, David left a comment and he says, talk about whether or not they should trade Jamal Adams. And David says he's pro trade if they can get a second and a third. You know, you tried him as a rental time to move on, especially with such little draft capital. And I, I think this is what you're getting at, Clinton. Oh, it's 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 what's eating Gilbert Grape over here, man. I, I don't I don't the philosophy of getting worse to get scratch off tickets does not make sense to me. Like we put in significant capital 
so that we could go get Jamal Adams. Okay. Then the thing to do is to, to extend and restructure, go get that dude into multiple years, maybe do it now while, while maybe you got some advantage because that $300 billion TV contract is coming real soon. And that's going to blow the cap back open. So maybe you got some leverage now do it now. So I, I am, so. I, here's the thing. When you have a, we have a hall of fame quarterback. Cool. So you got your due. When you have a top three, top five quarterback that's on your team, to me, it is never time to jettison other uh, pro bowlers to go get draft picks. If anything, do the opposite and go in the freaking Lombardi. Amy, it sounded like you had something to add to this. I, I, I would second that in, in like a heartbeat. I don't understand the wanting to get rid of good people at the chance of having somebody else who Malik McDowell, like what, she what went there. what's your, your, your hope, you're hoping for something, you know, why, why, why not go with a sure thing for goodness sake? Make, it makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. And when you have a guy who is, you know, Jamal Adams is going to be the highest paid guy. And when you know that, when you, you can pencil that in, you just do it right away. Because as you see with the Cowboys, with Dak Prescott, who isn't you know the number one guy, but is in the top 10. But with quarterbacks, it's a little bit different. But with a guy who is a safety right now is the cheapest time to pay Jamal Adams. Right. Pay him. <laughs> just pay just pay him. Yeah, pay pay the man pay the man and i mean listen he got nine and a half sacks last year and a lot of that before dunlap came in because then he had the injury with the groin thing cool and and, and he had to blitz a, a you know a lot last year uh obviously to go get that from the safety position well maybe, maybe this year he's you know, six seven sacks but doesn't have to blitz quite a bit because we just reloaded and made our defensive line so darn deep and so darn good Awesome, because I also remember him making, you know, uh, touchdown saving tackles last year, too. I also remember, remember him dropping quite a number of interceptions. So maybe he gets on the jugs machine and, and fixes that part. But 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 he's a, he's a baller. Like, do not trade ballers for chips. Do the opposite, which is what they did, by the way. But I mean, we got Russ. Go full throttle. Put the freaking STP thing in the in the gas tank. Get the ninety three octane and you know put the pedal to the metal and just just go go win go win now. In fact, you guys know I'm all, I'm always about the culture and um and the attitude of players and gosh darn does golly gee or whatever he said in his one in his one interview that guy has so much energy and you can't pay for that. I mean, we, we should pay for it, I guess, but you know, you can't, that's not yeah, something it's value that added. you can just manufacture. It's it, the sacks are great. He's an awesome player. He brings so much more to the table. I love, I love that. I, I, I happen to, I happen to agree, Amy. That's, it's my kind of player. Uh, listen, that's why I love Sherm so much. I like my, that's, Hey John, you brought up golden Tate. That that's a trash talker right there. Listen, I like my guys with a little bravado. They're, 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 these are these are world class athletes. They should have that chip. I like it. Aaron, did you want to jump back in? Yes. So um, one thing I guess we haven't discussed, which is unfortunately was the news today, was the trade with Miami with San Francisco. Like, what do you guys, what are you guys' thoughts on that horrible thing that occurred that they now have the number three <laughs> overall pick? Ooh, this is a good thing to. A am I allowed to swear on here or not? <laughs> you can let it rip, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you just, you know, it's 
it's one of those things where it's like, wow. And then it's like, oh, you know, because you you just absolutely fear, uh, you know, what Shanahan could do with a dangerous quarterback in that system. I mean, he he rode Jimmy G's incompetence to a Super Bowl. The you know, you put a competent quarterback, an athletic quarterback who has the ability to do things like a rookie RG three did in 2012, or someone who has the you know the 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 ability to process and tear apart a defense, uh, you know, intellectually, um, you know, it's, it's really, really scary what the, what that offense could look like with the weapons that they have put around the quarterback position in the Bay area. So I am, I'm not a happy camper regarding that. And I think the, the, now, now do we become, you know, J E T S fans and hope that they just take, they just take Wilson off the board and just do something with Donald. Even if they trade him to us for a backup, like, oh, we'll take Donald now. If that means they take Wilson, I know there's fields. I know there's some, I know there's, I know there's Trey Lance and those dudes. Um, yeah, I guess they're the question saying is that they like yeah. the top three guys and or at least their top three guys. And so whoever falls to them, that's who they're comfortable with taking because they have to take a quarterback. I, I saw Tim Kawakami, who is the beat writer down in San Francisco, saying that, you know, they're they're looking at a guy. They, they actually the team believes that Jimmy Garoppolo can take this team to a Super Bowl this year. And if that's the case, then why do you trade up for the number three if you're not going with QB of the future? Because it just it doesn't make any sense to me that you would even chance that idea that Garoppolo takes you to a Super Bowl and then wins it, and then you're going to just move on from him with it. No, you, you have to find a way to work that guy in. And, I, and probably the thing is, is that Garoppolo, it will either, you know, if you're basing it on past history, will be injured halfway through the season or will do something to make you want to bench him, and that's when you make your move. But yeah, they're going to take a quarterback with that pick and it has to be somebody that they like. And the reason why I'm with John in, you know, wanting to, you know, just uh, say some nasty things <laughs> is because I, I think John Lynch makes smart moves and that's what he's shown. And, and Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. So, yeah, th this does offer some concern, I think, as a Seahawks fan long term for the Niners. I, I'm actually more afraid of them taking one of those like top receivers or or another pass rusher to pair with 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 Bosa. That's my bigger fear. Like let let Dunlap let Mayola go go kill the whatever new quarterback they they get. Let let them handle that. But a receiver or um, another pass rusher that scares me a lot more. Well, I, from what I understand, though, Aaron, again, I'm not not a draft expert, uh, but the you know the edge the edge rushers in this in this draft are not not particularly strong. There's not like a Chase Young sitting out there that's like, dude, you got to go get that guy. Um, I mean, bottom line is they mortgaged their future, right? They they sent two they, their twelfth two first round picks and a third this year to move up what nine spots. They're taking a quarterback, right? Yeah, so if, if they, they are taking anything but a quarterback, then I think as Seahawks fans, we should be celebrating that yeah. they took a player of less value by giving up, you know, their 12th there and and two future first round picks for something other than a quarterback. That would be, I, I think you would see that that's the move I'm rooting for. 
And I guess I want to ask the group too, what's the, what's the quarterback you don't want them to get? I mean, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Like he's, he's off the board. Cool. What's the dude. You, I mean, Hey John, who, who do you think is the most dangerous quarterback uh, that you don't want to see in the, in the golden red? I mean, it's, I'm not a huge draft guy. So the, you know, but it's, I fear someone athletic in that position. So you put fields there, you put Lance there. It's, you know, Shanahan was deadly with RG three, you know, in 2012. And that's, yeah. you know, you give him someone who's a proven talent or not, I'm mean, not a proven talent, but you give him someone who's got upside, who's got athleticism and can add, you know, danger to what Jimmy G brings to the field. And it's, you know, it's like having Kaepernick, you know, potentially back there again during his prime with those legs. It's uh, oh, not, not fun to rem- reminisce about some of those. So. No, no. Let's talk about Kaepernick for a second. Cause every time I want to talk about Kaepernick, I remember the tip. And every time I remember the tip, <laughs> I remember Malcolm Smith coming down with, with the interception. And every time I remember that, I think about the Super Bowl that we won 43 to eight. So anytime you want to bring up Kaepernick is okay by me. Cause unlike Phil, this feeds my soul. Thank you, John. <laughs> all good memories when you when you bring up that particular moment for the seahawks I, I really want to thank everybody who came in this evening thanks to john gilbert for coming in talking from field goals and and you know giving us some backup on the salary cap stuff thanks for phil bringing in that game and and asking those questions and uh clinton thank you for hosting this show well, thank you. I mean, you 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 do the you do all the button pushing, which is amazing. So you do the the smash mash buttons. But thanks. It's it's this has been a blast, and I love that every time we come on, we got new people, new people joining us, and more people joining us. And I hope that folks can go out there, right? So lockerroom.app/seahawkra to then get notified when we go live with three and three out, which is part of the field goals podcast. And then Brandon, of course. Tell the good people of Earth how they can find everything you're doing out there. Yeah, you can go to SeahawkersPodcast.com to listen to that show. If you want to subscribe to the Field Goals Podcast, SBNation.com slash NFL Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at SeahawkersPod. And Clinton, I think it's time to get on out of here with that. There's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.